John 13, 21. Tonight we will be preaching on Judas Iscariot, who was the greatest betrayer in world history. And I don't think that you're ignorant of the story and, and what he did to the Lord, but we're going to look at it carefully and see what we can learn for our own walk with God. And I believe that it is recorded in the scripture so that nobody in the church would follow his footsteps or the path that he took. So it's a very, very, uh, I can't even really put it into words. It's very sad. Um, well, it's tragic, okay? There's nothing good about what happened to this man and what he did. So, in the word of the Lord tonight, for your encouragement and instruction, beginning with verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew of what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast. This, of course, would be the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which would follow Passover. So they think he's going out to buy goods for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Or that he should give something to the poor, as a custom practice during the time of Passover. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet... A little while I am with you, you shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon 
the reading of your word. We thank you, Father, for your truth, for your word that is your word. We thank you for the anointing, Lord, that will move through us to declare it and also to receive it. We thank you for your grace and your mercy to keep us from the footsteps of Judas Iscariot. We thank you for salvation and redemption that you offer us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Last Wednesday, we covered the prophecy of the foot washing of Jesus and understood that it was more than just the washing of feet, but it was symbolic and prophetic of the finished work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And now we move to the prophecy of the prediction of his betrayer. So if you will look at verse 18, I'll back up just a little bit. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now, he's already made statements. This is Jesus. Has already made a statement in verse 10 of chapter 13. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Okay? So Jesus has told us that every one of his disciples are not clean. Verse 11, For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Now, when you look at Judas Iscariot, he is very puzzling. His actions are perplexing. He is a very strange individual. The debate has been whether or not Judas Iscariot was actually saved or not. The more I study Judas Iscariot, my conclusion is that by the words that Jesus has said in the scripture, that Judas Iscariot was never cleansed. And if Judas Iscariot was never cleansed, that means Judas Iscariot was never saved. Judas Iscariot, if I understand the scripture correctly, was never a believer. But he was with the twelve disciples, he saw and heard the ministry of Jesus Christ. I believe that he did go forth as a witness in the ministry of Jesus and in the name of the Lord cast out demons, uh, saw people healed as he went forth to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. So, it is interesting to me that Jesus said that he was not clean or not cleansed. So that lets me know that a person can have a close association with the Lord Jesus Christ, a close association with the church, witness signs, miracles, and wonders, and possibly participate in those and still be lost. 
he's very, very unique that he could spend so much time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus made a statement before this that he said, one of you are the devil. Literally not, you know, you're going to be filled with the devil, but you are the devil. So Jesus already made the statement that, that, that Judas Iscariot was the devil incarnate. Now, that doesn't mean the devil had entered into him yet. But prophetically, Jesus knew that Judas Iscariot was the Alblos or the devil. So he was the devil incarnate. Very, very unique. So the devil incarnate, Judas Iscariot, Jesus knowing what kind of man that Judas was. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus still chose Judas Iscariot to be one of the twelve knowing what kind of man he was and knowing that he would betray him, he still chose him. Now, that doesn't mean that Judas Iscariot was forced to betray the Lord. He was not forced to betray the Lord by God, nor was he forced to betray the Lord by the devil. Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot chose to betray the Lord and in his choosing to betray the Lord, that's when the devil took over him. But he had a choice. Hey, Jesus chose him. He had a choice to choose Jesus. Understand? But Judas Iscariot personally chose to reject Jesus Christ and betray him. It was his choice. Okay. It wasn't something he was forced into. It was his choice. And the devil whispering into his ear, not like with an audible voice that you're hearing me talk to you by, um, and really not even talking about the physical ear. This is a mystery to me. Okay? I don't understand it totally. I, I've thought this through just a little bit. It's a mystery to me how that the spirit world can communicate with you. Okay, now, I know God can speak an audible voice and, and whatnot, but in this case, it doesn't seem to be that it's an audible voice to the physical ear. It seems to be that the spirit of the devil is communicating with the spirit of Judas Iscariot. Now, that's a mystery, how that can happen. Now, I know that you know, spirits are likened into the wind. Um, but how they can communicate with your spirit is a mystery, isn't it? I, I don't know that I can explain that right now. I don't really understand that. But Judas Iscariot began to choose, make decisions that he was going to betray the Lord. And the devil saw the opportunity, he saw the weakness, he saw the unbelief in Judas Iscariot. And that unbelief and that weakness that the devil saw in Judas Iscariot, he took advantage of that and began to speak into the spirit of Judas Iscariot, suggesting to Judas Iscariot, you should betray the Lord. And Judas Iscariot, having chose 
for himself what he would do, listen to the devil as the devil communicated to him and talked to him about betraying the Lord. You understand? I'm telling you. So that you and I, we never lose our power to choose. Okay? So the devil can't take your ability to choose. God won't take your ability to choose. You cannot be forced to betray the Lord, nor can you be forced to serve the Lord. It is a choice that you make. And depending on the choice that you make, that determines which spirit you're yielding to. So, there should be nobody in here tonight that, that uh, should let the enemy or the devil mess you up when he starts speaking into your spirit that you're a betrayer, uh, you're predestined to hell, there's no hope for you, he tells you you can't be saved, right? Then you're here tonight means you're not a reprobate. If you were a reprobate, you wouldn't be here tonight. So except you be a reprobate, then the devil's telling you those things. You can't be saved. This is not for you. Christianity is not for you. Okay? You will betray the Lord, and you're going to die and go to hell. The devil whispers into your spirit, tells you that. All you have to say is no. I choose not to listen to the devil. And I choose to listen to the Lord. So, he cannot take your ability to choose. Now, you will see as we look at Judas Iscariot, to prove what I'm telling you, Judas Iscariot will have multiple opportunities to repent. Okay? He is sitting at the table, Passover table. He takes the Passover meal. Jesus washes his feet. But he's still not cleansed, even though Jesus washes his feet. He eats the Passover meal, but I do not believe that he ate the new covenant meal. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper or the new covenant meal after the Passover meal. Now, I believe that Judas Iscariot left the table before the new covenant meal was ever administered by the Lord. Okay? So, get that out of the way. But, during the Passover meal, I've already taught you about the position that they would take. It's not like Leonardo, Denard, Leo Denard, what's his name? Leonardo da Vinci. His painting, where he has them sitting around a table. That's false. That's they would not have been sitting around a table like Leonardo da Vinci's painting. Especially in the Passover. Passover, they did not do that. They reclined. They reclined on the left shoulder, held up their hand with their left shoulder, feet pointed backwards, and they would reach with their right hands and eat from the dishes that were in the center of the couch. So that's the way... Passover and the position they would take to observe Passover, that's how they would be seated. Now, John, uh, 
the writer of John or the author of John is, I believe, right next to Jesus according to the Scripture because he can lay his head on the bosom of Jesus. So John, the Apostle John, is very intimate with the Lord. So intimate that his head is in the bosom of Jesus. He can hear the heartbeat of God. He's in touch with the heartbeat of God. He's very intimate with the Lord. And not only does he hear the heartbeat of God, I'm speaking of John, the apostle and theologian, he is experiencing the breath of God. So he hears the heartbeat of God. He's in tune with the heartbeat of God, but also the breath of God is falling upon him. And the breath of God is the Spirit of God. When you get the Holy Ghost, you are receiving the breath of God. So John is at his right-hand side, I believe, right-hand side of Jesus, laying in his bosom, in tune with the heartbeat, and the breath of God is falling upon him. He's a very intimate disciple, okay? Now, having said that, I believe Judas was on the left-hand side of Jesus. Okay? It doesn't tell me in the Bible that he was, but I believe that he was because he was so close to Jesus that Jesus, when he takes the sock, which was a piece of bread, and he would dip it into the gravy mixture or the mixture of... Um, no, I don't believe that's when that happened. I believe the vegetation thing, the bitter herbs, was something at the beginning of Passover. So at this point, I believe there's some kind of gravy mixture that, according to what I've read, they would take a piece of bread, they would dip that piece of bread called the sop into that gravy mixture, and then Jesus, after giving the sop or the bread, uh, dipping it into, you know, the, the bread into that mixture, he hands it to Judas Iscariot, which means Judas Iscariot is very close to him. See, he doesn't get up, he doesn't walk around the table and then give the bread to Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, I believe, is within arm's length of Jesus. So that John, being on his right-hand side, I personally believe that Judas Iscariot was on his left-hand side in very close proximity to Jesus so that Jesus could hand him the sock. Now listen carefully. The fact that Judas Iscariot is that close and that he is on the left-hand side of Jesus lets you know that Judas Iscariot there at that supper is in an honored position. So the fact that Jesus had Judas Iscariot sitting in an honored position should have talked to his conscience. Okay. He allowed Judas Iscariot to be on his left-hand side, the position of an honored guest. And then when Jesus took the sock and dipped it in the gravy mixture, he gave that piece of bread to Judas Iscariot, which is also an action that is done for and to the honored guest at the table. It was a gift. So when Jesus takes that sock 
that bread, and he dips it into the gravy mixture, and he hands that salt to Judas Iscariot, not only by position, but by offering him that very special sop, which was given to honored guests, he's reaching for Judas Iscariot. He's given Judas Iscariot opportunity to change the direction that he's going. But Judas Iscariot will be irrevocable in his malice toward Jesus. He will refuse to change the direction that he is going. He's got his mind made up that that's what he's going to do. The Scripture's already told us in John 13 the devil has already put it into his heart to betray the Lord, but the Lord is still trying to reach Judas Iscariot by placing him in a position of as the honored guest and by giving him the morsel which was given to the special guest at the supper, he's saying, Judas, you can change the direction you're going. You don't have to be the one that is betraying Jesus Christ. Although Jesus knows at that supper, he is at war with the devil. And he knows the devil is sitting among his disciples and he's at war with the devil, but yet he's still trying to reach the man Judas Iscariot. But he knows that Judas Iscariot is not going to change direction, that Judas will be irrevocable in his decision. Now what is interesting to me, as you spent time studying Judas Iscariot, a lot of different writings of the early apostolic fathers, which were men who were closely related to the apostles. And they wrote things in history that is not recorded in the Scripture. Now, I'm not saying um, the church fathers. Church fathers were writers through church history. They were called anti-Nicene fathers, which were before the Council of Nicaea. There was the Nicene fathers at the time of the Council of Nicaea and post-Nicene fathers, which was after the Council of Nicaea, those were known as church fathers, and church history was recorded by these so-called church fathers, but they were biased. So when you read the uh, anti-Nicene writings, or they call the church fathers, history writings, or the Nicene fathers, or the post-Nicene fathers, you have to remember that they were biased in their theology. That in some areas, false doctrine had already crept into them and they believed in some false doctrine. Having said that, the apostolic fathers, I'm not talking about the church fathers. When I'm talking about the apostolic fathers, the writing of the apostolic fathers, I'm talking about men like Polycarp, who was the pastor of the church of Smyrna, who was martyred at 86 years of age, who was a disciple of John and a learner of the, of, of, of the, uh, a hearer of John speaking. Okay. He actually heard John preach. He was a disciple of John. His name was Polycarp. As I said, the Bishop of Smyrna, amen, who was martyred 
burned at the stake at the age of 86. Also, other church fathers, known as apostolic fathers, one man by the name of Papias. We only have fragments of his writings. Now, having said all of that, in studying many of these writings of apostolic fathers and other writings, I discovered that Judas Iscariot started having problems. And his problem was manifest. He would stay aloof from the disciples. He would stay away from the church during the time of the distribution of the bread. So the disciples would be out there, they would be distributing bread, you know, and Judas Iscariot would be distant. He was not where he was supposed to be. He should have been out there distributing bread as well, but he wasn't. He separated himself from the disciples in Jesus Christ during that distribution of the bread. So it's a very dangerous thing for any of us to disfellowship ourselves or become aloof or distant from the church. Because those are the seeds that begin to manifest the possibility of betrayal. Now, Jesus, according to some of the writings that I read, knew that Judas Iscariot was an unbeliever. He knew it. Obviously, he knew it because he knows all things. But I'm saying that he made that known to Judas, okay, that I know you're in unbelief. And he made it known because of that unbelief that Judas Iscariot would not be redeemed. See, Jesus knew that. But he's still giving Judas Iscariot the opportunity to change the direction that he's going. Now, first lesson I want to give you tonight is this, okay? It's not anything deep. Is that whenever opportunity comes... For any of us to change our decisions and the direction that we are heading away from the church, ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, when those opportunities come to you to repent, take that opportunity. Because Jesus will always give you an opportunity. But he, Judas Iscariot, chose not to change directions. He chose to continue to yield himself to rejecting the Lord, rejecting the church. Come on. And ultimately, his decision will be irrevocable. You can't turn him around no matter what you do. You can put him in the chief place, the chief seat. You can give him a position uh, there at the Passover meal. You can give him the the bread, which was for the honored guest. All of that is to appeal to the conscience and the heart of Judas Iscariot. And when Jesus made the statement, one of you shall betray me. 
you need to realize that for approximately three years or so, Judas Iscariot has been walking with the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, correct? But what you may not realize is that the disciples respected Judas Iscariot. They had a high opinion of Judas Iscariot. How do you know, Pastor? Because they made him the treasurer of the group. And you don't just make anybody the treasurer of the group unless you've got a high respect for them. So the fact, you say, well, Jesus did that. Yeah, but still, the disciples, they, they had him in high regard. Because he's the treasurer. He's the one that takes care of the money. Are y'all here? That is given in offerings to the group. So he is extremely respected by the disciples. He's honored by the disciples and really honored by the Lord himself. Put him in that position. Very unique man. Don't understand him. Don't understand his actions. Don't understand his thinking. Don't understand. The Gnostics grab a hold of Judas Iscariot and they write a gospel called the Gospel of Judas. And in the Gospel of Judas, they paint Judas Iscariot as a hero. They say that Judas Iscariot, out of all the disciples, had a higher knowledge than the rest of them. Gnosticism or Gnostic writing, Gnosticism means knowledge. And they believe that Judas Iscariot had this higher knowledge that superseded the rest of the disciples and that because he had this higher knowledge, that this higher knowledge came to him and that knowledge was, I need to betray the Lord so salvation can come to man. So the Gnostics look at Judas Iscariot as a hero who betrayed the Lord and in his betraying of the Lord brought redemption to mankind. But the scripture doesn't paint Judas Iscariot as a hero. Judas Iscariot is painted as the devil. He is painted as the worst betrayer in the history of the world. He is mentioned at the last of all the men. When you have the list of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, is always mentioned last. Peter is always mentioned first. Okay? They mention him as the one who betrayed the Lord. Okay? So the gospel of Judas is trash. It is complete and total error. That Judas Iscariot was walking in a higher knowledge and that this higher knowledge was, I need to betray him so Jesus can redeem mankind. That's the way God looked at it. So having said that, Judas Iscariot, whose name means Judas means, is connected to the word Judah. Judah means praise. Judas means directed of the Lord. So when mom and dad gave birth to little Judas, okay, probably possibly in Kirioth in Judah, he's the only disciple that was not a Galilean. All the rest of the disciples were Galilean. Kirioth was in Judah. So, he probably was a uh, of the tribe of Judah. And when mom and dad, when mom gave birth to Judas Iscariot, 
They looked at him and they said, directed by the Lord, or guided by the Lord, or led by the Lord. So they had great hope that when Judas Iscariot would begin to grow and mature, that that young boy would be led by the Lord. But anything but being led by the Lord took place in the life of Judas Iscariot. He was a disciple. He walked with the Lord and the disciples, but he was led of the devil, not the Lord. So the hopes of the parents were dashed. Multiple opportunities. But refused to change the direction. He was irrevocable in his malice toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said about him he was the devil. Jesus said about him that Satan had put it in his heart to betray him. Jesus reveals to us in this 13th chapter that Satan entered into him. It wasn't just a demonic spirit that came inside of him to possess him. It was Satan himself. Just like demonic spirits enter into people and possess them, Satan entered into Judas and took control of him so that his influence was greater. At one moment, the devil is putting in the heart of Judas to betray the Lord. And then when Judas yields to that, we're going to see that Satan enters into him. That means now from that point on, there's more influence of Satan and more operation of Satan in the life of Judas. You understand? Jesus called him the son of perdition. That means he's the son of waste. He's the son of lostness. The word perdition means destruction. So this Judas is a disciple who will become waste and lost forever and ever throughout eternity. He is not a hero. Okay? He will walk in destruction. He will end up in perdition. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the Antichrist is also called the son of waste, lostness, destruction. The Antichrist is also called the son of perdition. So that there are some people who believe that Judas Iscariot will be raised from the dead in the end times and he will become the Antichrist. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily believe that that has to happen. But I do believe that the coming Antichrist in the future will also be called the son of perdition just like Judas Iscariot was called the son of perdition. He was wasted. He was lost. And he was destroyed. The Bible tells us, let's look at it please. Verse 18, what Jesus knows, what's in his mind, what's in his conscience. He's letting us all know that in this not only does he not want us to go to the path of Judas Iscariot, but he wants you to know that everything that happened, that he was in control of it. That even though Judas Iscariot was going to will against Jesus Christ and betray him, even though the devil 
is going to will against Jesus Christ. Jesus is letting you know he's in control of the whole thing. Because he knows when the devil's talking to Judas Iscariot. He knows when the devil enters into Judas Iscariot. He knows that Judas Iscariot's going to betray him before it happens. He predicts it. He prophesies it. And the disciples have no clue. Even up to the very end when Judas walks out the door, they still don't know, with the exception of possibly Peter and John, that Judas Iscariot is the betrayer. When he walks out the door, the rest of them still don't know what he's doing. They think he's off buying supplies for the upcoming feast. Evidently, the communication was done in a whisper. Was it shouted so all the disciples knew what was going on? But Jesus was heard when he said, One of you shall betray me. And the Bible says that one after another of the disciples said, Is it I? Everyone, I believe, of those disciples said, is it I? When I look at this passage right here, I can say this. I have a choice not to ever be Judas Iscariot. But I still need to ask the question, is it I? Because potentially, the possibility to betray him, which means to lift him up, or really it means to deliver him up, be a traitor. The possibility is there. So, just like each one of those disciples said, is it I? Am I boring you tonight? I don't have anything else to give you but the Word of God. If that's not good enough, I don't know what to tell you. But When I study this, I'm going to ask the question, is it I? Now, here's, I'll just use the word kicker. Is that when each one of those disciples said, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? On down the line. They meant it sincerely, Lord. Is it me? I don't want to be that person. Is it me, Lord? Their, their response, is it I, was from sincerity. But watch this. Judas Iscariot also asked the question to the Lord, is it I? But when Judas Iscariot asked the question, is it I? He asked it mockingly. Is it I, Rabbi? Boy, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but sometimes uh, when I'm talking to people and I know they're heading in the wrong direction, they say, and I'll make a statement, oh, really, Pastor? I got that kind of spirit about it. Right? Judas Iscariot also asked the question, is it I? You can translate it this way. Is it I, Rabbi? Mocking. You see, he's covering up or trying to cover up by saying, is it I? He's trying to cover it up that he, it is him. So when he says, is it I? It's a mocking type of, is it I? He things, he acts like. He's not the one. So he kind of follows suit with the rest of the disciples, you know, saying the same thing they are, so that it will appear, appear that he is not the betrayer. So the Bible tells us. I 
I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture, verse 18, I'm in verse 18, may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. It's interesting to me that Jesus took the heels of his disciple and the feet of his disciple into his hands and he washed all of their feet. But in this passage right here, he says, one of you disciples is going to betray me. You're going to lift up, as the scripture has said, through David, the prophet David in Psalm 49 verse 1. It was prophesied hundreds of years beforehand that one of these disciples would lift up his heel against Jesus. And in that culture, to lift up your heel against anybody is a gesture of contempt. It's a gesture of hostility. Okay? And Jesus said, the one that's eating bread with me is sitting at this table right now. Watch this. The fact that you sat down at a table with the Lord, you are given the appearance that you are submitted to the Lord. So you're appearing that you're submitted to the Lord and you're eating the food that's at that table provided from the Lord to you. And he's sitting down and he's eating the bread that the Lord has provided, you know. And he's appearing like he's submitted to the Lord. But the Bible says while he's doing that, eating that bread, he's lifted up his heel. He's got a plan to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. He hates Jesus. He's going to lift up his heel. I guess he prophesied hundreds of, of years before. I'm telling you again, it didn't have to be Judas. It was prophesied, but it didn't have to be Judas. Jesus takes that prophecy that, the, that he, before he became a man, spoke into David. Before he became a man, he said, there's going to be one that will lift up his heel against me, the one eating bread with me. So on the one hand, he's been putting their feet in his hand and washing their feet, pouring the water out of the basin onto their feet. And on the other hand, one of them is going to lift that heel up against me in contempt. So the Bible tells us, verse 19, Now I tell you before it come to pass, that when it come to pass, you may believe that I am. When it comes to pass, and I have predicted before it happens that it's going to happen, when it comes to pass, then you're going to know I am. You're going to know that God incarnate is sitting among you. And that God incarnate is speaking to you. Because before it happens, I'm going to tell you that it's going to happen. So God incarnate is going to be manifested once again by what He says to them. That, you know, this prophecy is going to come to pass. And, and uh, you're going to know that I am. Right? Go, I am. I I am is the eternal God, and He's the eternal God in flesh there. And at the same time, the devil number one, devil number one, devil incarnate, is sitting at the same table as God incarnate. And the war is on, and Jesus knows it. And there's the foot washing, and there's the, the celebration of the Passover, but this conflict and this war is going on. So that the Bible says, 
Jesus, when He talks about His betrayer, is troubled in spirit. He's troubled in spirit. It's not just a surface thing. It goes deep into Him. The fact that one of His own are going to betray Him hits Him deep in His spirit. He's troubled in spirit. It's a deep feeling to know that one of His own are going to uh, deliver Him up. Okay? It's hurting Him deeply that one of His own would do that to Him. Are y'all hearing with me right now? One that ate with Him, slept with Him, was counted as one of His own and called to be an apostle, called into the same ministry as the rest of the apostles, but yet one of those preachers are going to be the ones that are going to betray Him and it hits Him in His spirit. See, it's not like us. We can hear about betrayal and it doesn't really hit us very hard, you know. We think about it, but it doesn't really hit us in the spirit. But when Jesus mentioned betrayal, it hit him deep. It went deep inside of him. It went to his spirit that that person could do that. What would possess that man to do that? Ultimately, Satan, yes, but he chose to do that. And it hit Jesus deep that that would happen. And as I said, for us, a lot of times we don't we hear about betrayal or whatever. We read the story here. We're not really hit by that. I mean, we just, okay, we acknowledge in our minds that that happened. But it went deep. It affected him. He was troubled by it. So it lets me know that in the presence of betrayal and the in the presence of evil, you and I should be troubled in our spirit. It's a troubling thing. You see, God is troubled here by the fact that one will betray Him. Now, there's, personally, I don't know of any more painful thing uh, as far as church work and church ministry and uh, the church as a whole. Nothing is going to hurt you more deeply, okay, than to have somebody betray you in the church. Somebody that was sitting with you, walking with you, participated in ministry, right? For them to betray you. It's one thing for the world to, to betray you. But for the church, somebody in the church to betray you? Somebody in the church lift up their heel against you and have in their mind, I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to take action to destroy you? If you get in that atmosphere, of a betrayer. Get in the presence of a betrayer that will do that to you. It will hit you deeply. It will cause you great anguish and great trouble in your spirit. Trouble of mind. You're troubled emotionally. You're troubled spiritually. It is heavy to be betrayed by somebody in the church. And so the Bible says that Jesus was troubled in the spirit. I will tell you tonight, not only is he troubled in the spirit, in this context here, he's still troubled in the spirit. When people who claim to be 
his disciples betray him. Especially those that have opportunity to change direction and have been offered that opportunity, but they are irrevocable in their malice. You can't change them no matter what you do. And so they're not forced to betray. Jesus wasn't forced to betray. Uh, Judas was not forced to betray Jesus, but he chose to. And it brought great trouble. It still brings him trouble now. Even though he's the glorified Son of God. If any of us here tonight ever betray him, okay, you might deny him, but to betray him. See, Peter, we'll see it next week, Lord willing. Peter will deny the Lord, but Peter never betrayed the Lord. Big difference. Peter loved Jesus Christ, but he got overconfident. He got self-confident. He got full of pride. And his pride and his self-confidence caused him to deny the Lord. But never did Peter betray the Lord. But Judas Iscariot made the calculation. He's already, before this time, have, has already met with the high priest. And has already determined that for 30 pieces of silver, he will betray his Lord. You see, I, I wish I could really get this across to you. But in the events leading up to this time, Judas is out and in. He's out there making arrangements to betray the Lord, okay? Then he comes back in the presence of the Lord and the disciples. Are y'all here with me right now? And so it's just on the edge. It's back and forth. That's where he is at that moment. One moment, he's out there making arrangements. The next moment, he's in the midst of the disciples and the Lord at the Passover. So this is Judas Iscariot. This is what is going on in him. Are y'all with me tonight? Oh, wow. This troubled Jesus in the spirit. It still does trouble him in the spirit. It grieves him if you deny him, but it troubles his spirit if you betray him. Are y'all with me tonight? And so when you get in the presence of somebody who is a betrayer, you should be troubled in your spirit. It should hit you deeply. It should not be something that is that you feel comfortable around. Jesus, help me tonight. If you can feel comfortable around that kind of spirit, then you are not walking where you should walk. You should never feel comfortable in the presence of somebody who is a betrayer. I mean, they haven't just denied the Lord. They're fighting the church. Come on, somebody. They've made a decision to lift up their heel against the church. They are going to do whatever they can to do harm to the church. Now, if you're in that kind of presence, then you should be troubled in your spirit. Jesus was troubled in his spirit when in the presence of evil and in the presence of betrayal.
Bible tells us. Now I tell you, verse 19, the poor kind of come that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am. I am. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. See, he's already encouraging the disciples, the ones that are not going to be trained. He said, I'm going to be sending you out. And you're going to be representing me. You'll be my apostles. Okay? And, and so there's going to be one that's going to betray me, but don't, you know, it's going to be all right. Uh, are y'all here with me? See, he's letting them know. Uh, there's going to be one that's going to betray me, but it's going to be okay. Uh, because even though he is going to do this, it's not going to destroy the rest of you. See? That, that's what you got to see. And so when, when, I, when he gets beyond that, and he's going to send the apostles out to do ministry, he says, when they receive you, they're receiving me. Hallelujah. And when they receive me, they receive the one that sent me. God. So listen, when you have somebody that is sent by the Lord out there, you, that's not just the preacher, that's you. You are representing him. And when you go out there and you share the gospel with people, when they receive you, they're receiving him. And when they receive him, they're receiving God because he is God. But when they reject you, then they're rejecting Jesus. You can't separate. That's what Jesus is trying to show you here. You can't separate it. Somebody say, well, I'm rejecting the church. And I'm, oh, well, go find you another church. If it's just you don't like the church you're in, if that's what it's really all about, go find yourself another church. And we'll give you the opportunity to go find yourself another church. But if you, come on somebody, if there's something else working in you, you're not going to go find another church. Come on somebody. But you'll still talk about how you still love Jesus. And, and you'll still talk about how you, yeah, everything's alright with you. You will begin to rationalize what you are doing. And I believe Judas is scary. We will see at the very end. He will rationalize what he did. That it really wasn't that bad. He had to. He had to rationalize that what he was doing wasn't bad. But it will come to him at the end that he's betrayed innocent blood. And he will confess with his mouth, I have betrayed innocent blood. So not only did he not turn uh, the direction he was going when the opportunity was given to him, but he rationalized what he was doing that it really wasn't that bad. Are y'all here with me tonight? Don't go the path of Judas Iscariot. You will have multiple opportunities to turn the direction, but in his case, it was irrevocable. He refused to turn. And then when you're doing that, you'll start rationalizing what you're doing. It's really not that bad. You know, I'm, I'm really not doing so bad. I, yeah, I, I, I think I'm probably doing better than I was when I was in the church. Okay. And so, Jesus is telling us this. He's letting them know. Don't worry about it. The fact that you have a Judas Iscariot, the, a betrayer in your midst, is not going to stop the church. It's not going to destroy the church. 
It's a troubling thing. Are y'all with me tonight? But any of us, including this preacher tonight, any of us could leave this church and guess what's going to happen? The church is going to continue to go on with you or without you. See, so if you think when you leave, everything's going to come to a screeching halt, that's where you're wrong. Judas Iscariot could not destroy the church of the living God. He'll be the greatest betrayer that the world has ever seen. But he cannot destroy the church. Not one of you in this house today. See the devil come and whisper in your ear, in your spirit. Oh, you know, just you know, betray, whatever. Just give up, quit, whatever. Guess what, friend? The church is going to keep on going. Judas cannot destroy the church or the work of God. God's going to take that betrayal and He's going to use it to produce salvation. That doesn't mean that He says the betrayal was good. But it will not stop the church. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The church is bigger than every one of you in this place tonight. It's bigger than me. It's God's body. Okay. Can't destroy it. So the Bible says, verse 20, Verily, verily, double denunciation of deity, that I'm giving you assurance. Hallelujah to you. I'm giving you assurance. He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. Can't separate that. I serve God. How? How? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit. Does anybody, does anybody get anything out of this? See, this is an encouraging word to you. To let you know that no matter what comes against the church, it will not destroy the church. I mean, and it, it will cause you trouble. It will cause you anguish. It will go sometimes deep into your spirit. But it's not going to stop the church. This is God's church. Listen, I'm looking at y'all tonight. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you ever forget that. This church doesn't belong to me. This church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's some of you that are going to be faithful disciples. You're going to finish your course and you're going to make it in heaven. And anybody else that chooses not to go that direction is not going to stop the church and it's not going to stop us. It's going to trouble us. It's going to be hard. Alright? But it should. It should trouble you. I said it should trouble you. You have, you ever have anybody like Judas Iscariot in your midst? It should trouble you. It should bother you. Oh yeah, you got somebody like that in your house. That should trouble your spirit. 
said, I wish I could shake this. Friend, you're in the presence of evil. You're in the presence of betrayal. How can you shake that? Jesus didn't shake it off, but he gave him assurance. Okay? Hey, come on, are you here? You're going to go forth. You're going to represent me. You're going to spread the gospel. And people who receive you, when you spread that gospel, they receive me. And those that receive me, receiving the one that sent me. Hallelujah. He's letting them know. He's giving them assurance. It's going to continue. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful, man. You might have, a, you know, one less church member. Didn't have to. And have to, and it's hard. And you lose sleep. And you're troubled by it. But the church is going on. Praise God. Let your, let your neighbor say, by the grace of God, I'm going on. You realize that even if your husband or your wife betrays you, doesn't mean you have to die and go to hell. Does it? Come on, somebody. You keep going forward. Friend, friend betrays. This is Jesus called Judas Iscariot friend. Okay. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he will kiss him. Uh, Judas will kiss Jesus. The kiss of the betrayal, a false affection. He's the devil incarnate, kissing the cheek of Jesus Christ. Open his mouth like a jaw. It wasn't just a peck on the face. He opened his mouth like a jaw. And by that sign betrayed the Son of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even to this day, there are what is called Judas holes. Peepholes in doors. They, uh, some doors have these peepholes. They call them Judas holes so that you could peep. Particularly, <clears throat> guards would have holes in the walls. They would call them Judas holes. So they could look through those holes and, and watch the inmates in the prison or in the jailhouse. Call them Judas holes. Um, you don't want anything to do with Judas Iscariot. You don't want anything to, you don't want to be like Judas Iscariot at all, right? Praise the Lord. Thank God. But after these disciples, they go into much doubt. They're, they're confused. What are you talking about, Lord? One of us is going to betray you. Who could it be? Is it I? Is it I? And, and they never thought that it could possibly be Judas Iscariot. I mean, it was a miracle that Jesus concealed that from them all that time that it was Him. That the devil was sleeping with Him. Eating with Him. And yet hid from their eyes. They respected the man. Can't possibly be. They are, it's blowing their mind. They, they can't believe it. They're having a hard time getting a hold of this. As I said to you last week, that's why it's so important for all of us to be very careful about who you lean on in the church. I think the most dangerous place in the world is in the church. I don't think the most dangerous place in, in the world is the world because I can walk out there in the world and I know what they're about, man. But the most dangerous place I think that there is is right, right in the church house. Right? You believe that? Yeah, it was for Jesus. 
Stands the place right there in the church. Praise the Lord. You see, it's in the church when you're going to have the fussing and the fight and the bickering and the rebellion and the, the betrayal. That's where you're going to find it. It's going to, you're going to find it in the church. Yeah, it's out in the world, but it really hits you when it's in the church. So I'll say it again. I want you to just kind of let that go to your mind. The most dangerous place I think there is is in the church. You can lose your soul in the church. You can lose your life in the church. Jesus is going to lose his physical life in the church. You hear what I'm telling you? In fact, the church is going to be the one that's going to crucify him. Religious people are going to be the ones that crucify him. You're just going to do it like this. Betray him like this. Let you know. Verse 14, then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. John is always careful not to mention himself. I believe that's John. He's leaning on the on the bosom of Jesus. Okay, and uh, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him. Hey, you know Peter, dude is probably left hand side. Uh, John right hand side. Simon Peter says, "Hey, John, you're close to him." Ask him who it is. And I think the whole time, because up to the very end, as I said, they don't have a clue as to what Judas is doing, what's going on. There's whispering going on. Peter's saying, hey, John, did you ask me who it is? I'm really nervous right now. I'm really concerned. Is it higher? Could you just make sure you find out who he's talking about? Have you ever been there? Have you, if you've been there, lift your hand. I'll let you lift your hand this time. I've been there. You see, just because I'm here tonight, I have an association with the church, and I'm rubbing shoulders with you, and you're rubbing shoulders with me, and we're hearing the Word of God, and we're experiencing the moves of God. Doesn't make you a believer. Doesn't make you a believer. Hey, John. Peter talking to him. Hey, John. Ask him who it is. See, they. Well, what would you do? If Jesus was in your midst tonight and he says, One of you are going to betray me, what would you do? Wouldn't you want to know too if it's you? I would. Anybody else would want to know? If it, yeah. So, uh, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? 
Jesus answered, He it is to whom I will give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. That's why I tell you that John and Peter of the disciples were probably the only ones that knew who it was. Okay, because just give he's giving them a sign. Okay. He's letting them know who it's going to be. This is the action he's going to take. And it's Peter and it's John that know. But when, as I say, when Judas gets up and walks out, the rest of them don't, don't know where he's going. Okay? So, evidently, I, mean, I don't know, but there's a lot of communication going on at this time. There's a lot going on, and they, they probably don't catch it. This communication from Peter to John. And then John's communication to the Lord. And then the Lord's communication back to John. Tell him. Here's the sign. Now look, I want you to, I pray that you get this. Because the whole time when Jesus takes that sop, who's he giving it to? Yeah, but who is Judas Iscariot in the picture? Yeah, he's the betrayer, but he's the, when, who gets the sop in the honored guest? So Jesus is saying, it doesn't have to be me. Come on. Amazing. The opportunities that that man had, but he was irrevocable in his malice. The love expressed to this man, he had already made up his mind the direction he's going. There's some people, friend, you do everything you can. They have already made up their mind what they're going to do. And that was Judas Iscariot. You can be kind to them. You can talk to them. Correction needs to be done. Fine. You correct them. You can do it in kindness. But let me tell you something. When you get somebody like Judas Iscariot, you can't say it right. Nothing you can do is going to turn their direction because they've made up their mind. It's irrevocable. So Jesus answered, Here it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. So the devil's already been talking to him. Well, he should have said no to the devil and yes to Jesus. He was chosen by Jesus, but he wasn't choosing the Lord, right? And the, So the devil's speaking into his mind. Let me tell you something. The devil's going to speak into your mind. He, he speaks into all of, in our spirits and our minds. Where do you think the thoughts come from that you have? Those evil thoughts. Some of them your own thoughts, but some of them are inspired by Satan and demonic spirits. And they can speak. They can communicate with your spirit. I don't know how. It's a mystery because you're more than just a natural being. You're, you're made up more than, you're more than just corporal or physical. You are a spirit being. And spirits can communicate with your spirit, your mind. 
You don't even realize it. Enemies over there talking into your mind, talking into your head, talking into your spirit. But you can cut it off. You can say, no. I choose the truth. I choose the light. I choose the Lord. Right? Or you can continue to allow yourself to be inundated by that voice. And the more you listen to that voice, the crazier you're going to get. And I'm going to tell you that by the time we get to the end of Judas Iscariot, this man will be insane. Because the outcome of any, if any of us tonight betray the Lord, the outcome, you will lose your mind. You will go insane. You will go mad. See, it's one thing to be out there in the world and never know the Lord. But once you've been in the church and you knowing what you're doing, reject Him, you will lose your mind. Judas Iscariot is going to go insane. He's going to go mad because he's listening to the voice of the enemy. And the more you listen to the voice of the enemy, it'll put you in a place of insanity. There's spirits communicating with us tonight. God is communicating with you tonight. Satanic spirits are communicating with you tonight. I don't know if the devil or not is communicating with any of you. I don't know if Satan is here talking to anybody here. I don't know if you're that big in the kingdom. I'm, and I'm putting you down. I'm just being honest with you. You know, there, there, I think there's very few people who've ever lived that Satan himself came himself to that person and talked to their spirit. Most of the time he just sends a little but private spirit to talk to us. But you're talking about a potential apostle in Judas Iscariot. You're talking about a disciple that's walking with Jesus Christ. One of the twelve, right? So the devil himself, he's not going to send no little but private spirit. He's going to, he's going to go himself. And I'm just telling you tonight, I really highly unlikely that any of you have ever had a battle with Satan directly. You may feel like you have, but it's highly unlikely that it's ever been Satan himself. It's probably just some little spirit, demonic spirit that he sent to you to bother you, torment you, pester you, drive you nuts, speak into your mind crazy thoughts. I think he he works with people like Job. I think that he he deals with people like Job. He deals with people like Judas Iscariot. You know, we're talking about people. If the devil ever comes personally to fight you, it's on. Some of you thought you bet the devil was coming against you. But you've been through some of you in your mind, your emotional spirit. Highly unlikely the devil even ever goes over the devil with some demonic spirit. But see, because they come, they tor come torment the church. They come to pester you. They come to talk to you. They come to tempt you. Highly unlikely that Satan is. But this man, Satan himself, not some demon, but Satan himself talking to Judas Iscariot. 
And then now Satan himself, the Bible says, entered into him. He is possessed not with a demon, but possessed with the devil. Very, very evil. You say, ah, the devil's been after me. Not personally. I don't believe it's been him personally. It's one of those demonic spirits. I, I honestly, now I'm just going to make a statement. I don't know. I haven't had a vision. I don't have revelation or anything like that. But I know men of powerful ranking in the spirit. Okay? And they have had great trouble in their lives. And yes, they've made choices that were not good choices. But I'm going to tell you behind those choices and behind the struggles that they have had in their life, there are some men that I personally believe that if it wasn't the devil himself, it was somebody right underneath him that came against that man to destroy him. Because of the rank and the authority and, and the power that that person has in God. Why are they acting like they're acting? Why are they doing What level of spirit has come against you? You see, depending on your value in the kingdom of God will determine how much the devil will offer for you. For Jesus, He offered the whole world. He said, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Showed him, showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Right in front of him. World power. I'll give all these to you if you'll bow down and worship me. The devil was willing to pay a great price for Jesus to bow. And, and Satan, he, he went to Job, he went to Judas Iscariot, and he went to Jesus Christ. I, I think that some men of high rank, as I said, have had attacks from the devil, but they've also gone benign this morning. It wasn't just him. A spirit. A powerful spirit sent to destroy him. He wouldn't even know. So I think depending on your rank and I think depending on your value in the kingdom of God that it will determine what level the enemy is coming after you. So you've got to be ready. Okay? I have to be ready. You have to be ready. Because that spirit's talking. And Satan himself's talking to Judas Iscariot, trying to persuade him to do this. Now the Bible says he's entered into him. Can you imagine? I want you to think about that just for a moment. I'm just talking to you. Um, think about it. Not a demon possession, but Satan himself coming inside of a human being. The torment and the torture and the insanity that that man went through. I'm going to show you what the Bible says. After Satan entered into him, the scripture says, he went out and it was night. I want you to notice something. Evil had to be removed from the room. Judas has to go. 
trouble in spirit. But Judas has to go. Judas cannot be allowed to stay in that place without repenting. Without changing his direction. Judas has to go. He will be disfellowshipped from the Lord and he will be disfellowshipped from the church. But Judas has to go after the opportunity is given. You can't allow Judas to continue to be in the church. You give grace, you give opportunity, you, you're long-suffering, you're praying, but ultimately Judas can't stay in the fellowship. He's yielded his heart. He's yielded his mind to Satan. Now, not just to his voice, but to the entering in of the devil. He has opened the door. He's asked for it. Now, I don't think the devil's coming in. Any of you or even any demonic spirit's going to come into you unless you give it permission. Okay? So Judas Iscariot individually chose the direction he was going and Judas Iscariot opened the door for the devil to come into him. I believe the devil can torment you and oppress you. You've been tormented. You've been pestered. Some of you have been oppressed. But you can't be demon possessed or devil or satanically possessed without your opening the door. They just can't take you over. You see, because choice and freedom of, of choice is still in operation all the way to the point of his walking out. But notice this. It's Judas that got up and it's Judas that walked out. Did you catch that? Now, Jesus, listen to me carefully. God will second the motion. So that if you choose to go with the Lord, He says, I second that motion. You made the choice to live for me. You, you made the choice to serve me. You made the choice to love me. I second the motion. But if you reject Him, you betray Him, there comes a time when the Lord said, I second the motion. So when Judas Iscariot got up, he walked out that night, out of that church, of his own free will, he made his decision, he made his choice, and then God said, I second the motion. And the Bible says he went out and it was night. And it is still night for him now. It is eternal night for him. And when he went, the Bible said, Jesus, when he's standing there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he makes a statement. He said, you've come in the power of darkness. The power of night. And when Judas Iscariot opened his jaws, why they kissed Jesus to betray him? Time and eternity stood still. So that when Jesus looks at him, even at that point, he says, Friend, betrayest thou me with a kiss. His time and eternity stood still. It froze for just a moment. 
and that man has another opportunity to repent. When he went out, it was night. There was no light in his soul because he had turned his back on the light of the world. Jesus Christ says, I am the light of the world. Are y'all with me right now? Judas had turned his back on the light to the world. And so when he walks away from the light to the world, there is no light inside of him. There is total darkness inside of him. And he goes into the night or the darkness. And it's not just natural light. night. It is spiritual darkness that that person walks into. No light in him. Tonight is eternal night for Judas Iscariot. The darkness, the, the, the torment of Satan in that man at that moment. But he refuses to turn back to the light. Lest his deeds be reproved. He doesn't come to the light and say, I need to be corrected, I'm wrong. Men love darkness rather than light. He loved the darkness, man. He loved the light. So he goes out and it's night. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 9 verse 4? Look at it. He looked at his disciples and he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He's talking about how he's going to uh, it's a prophecy about how he would die. Look at John 11. Verse 9. Notice what Jesus says. See, this light and darkness thing is throughout in the Gospel of John. In John 11, in verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not. Because he seeth the light of this world. He had already said, I am the light of the world. He said, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. It doesn't say that he stumbles because it's night. It says he stumbles because there's no light in him. What he's letting the disciples know is this. As long as you walk in the light and you're filled with the light, no matter how dark it gets, you're not going to stumble. Be filled with the light. And you won't stumble no matter how dark it gets. What he's letting the disciples know because he's the light of the world, nothing's going to happen to him by accident. He's in complete control of everything that's going to happen. He's fixing to walk into the nighttime of his crucifixion. But he didn't just stumble into it. He is the light. And as long as his disciples, as long as they're walking with him, the light of the world, no matter how dark it gets, you're not going to stumble because you got the light inside of you. But if the light ever goes out in you, then you will stumble in the night, not because of the night, but because the light is gone out. Whatever you and I do, we must never let the light go out on the inside of us. 
Jesus has to keep shining bright in us. I, I think I know, I think you know what I'm talking about. You can walk in that prayer room in five minutes. Light begins to drive the darkness back. <clears throat> you understand what I'm telling you? It, it's supernatural, okay? Look at John 1 and 5. He says, John 1 5. Praise you, Jesus. I love you tonight. John 1 5. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness couldn't overcome the light. Couldn't comprehend it. Doesn't mean it. Yeah, well, you might, it's not just about understanding. It couldn't overcome it. The darkness can't overcome it. The darkness can't overcome the light that's on the inside of you. As long as the light is shining bright in you, the darkness can't overcome it. But because Judas is scared turning his back on the light, he's going out into the night. The greatest betrayer the world has ever seen. Okay? Satan killed him. In verse 27, after the stop, Satan entered into him. Did you catch that? I've never come across anybody that was, that was possessed with Satan. Now the demon possessed him, not, not Satan himself. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Do it, do it. See, you remember the, the religious leaders? They didn't want to do anything to Jesus during the Passover, right? You remember that? We've already covered it. They didn't want to take him at that moment during the time of Passover. They wanted to postpone it a little bit. They wanted to take him, but they wanted to wait. Jesus is in control of the whole thing. We're not waiting for anything. You go do it now. He's in, he's in control of the devil, possessed man. Go do it now. What you do, do quickly. Do it now. Go do it. Now's the time. And he has to get up and he goes. Now I want you to see something. He gets up on his own volition. He chose. He gets up and he walks out. But the Lord told him, go and do it. Do it quickly. So what I'm telling you, even though he got up and left, Jesus sat in his emotion. You see what I'm telling you? What you do, he says, do quickly. Now, what? And I'm fixing to come to a close, and I've enjoyed preaching the Word of God to you tonight. But I want you to always remember this, that the devil is running out of time. So he's always got to be doing it. i got to do it quick. See, what God does, God does slowly. That's why when you look at situations, you say, God, I wish you'd come in and take over. And, you know, God works slowly. Because he's got eternity. But you see, Satan, what Satan does, he got to do quick because he don't have much time. So Jesus, who is God, says, what you do? He said, go do it quickly, you know. You don't have much time to take care of this. Go, go get it done. So he said, God, what do we God? What's God? What do I God? Don't come in here and straighten this thing out because God works slow. The devil has to work quick because he don't have much time, right? So Jesus looked at him now. Look, he gets up. I want you to get this. He chose to leave the fellowship. He did. 
and the Lord second in the motion. Okay, go do what you're going to do. Go do it quickly. Got it? Say praise the Lord. No man at the table knew of what intent he spake this unto him. They still don't. It hasn't sunk in that Judas Iscariot in them that he's really the traitor. They think he's going to go right. We've already covered it, right? He's going to go buy some supplies, some material for the upcoming feast. Uh, or he's going out there and he's going to give an, an offering to the poor. Because that's what they do during Passover. They go out there and they'll give an offering to the poor during Passover. Well, that must be what Jesus is doing. See, they respected Judas. It hasn't got a hold of you. Okay? Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Verse 30, And he then having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. And he goes to Pilate. He gets the soldiers, the Roman army. He gathers them. He'd already talked to the high priest. He'd already talked to them. The temple uh, guards and all these. They're going to come in the power of darkness to get him. And Judas betrays him with a kiss. You know the rest of the story. How that after he betrays his Lord, that he takes that 30 pieces of silver, and Brother Patrick's going to read Zechariah 11, 11 and 12. And this prophecy that the amount to the exact dollar how much the Lord would be betrayed for is prophesied by the prophet Zechariah read please this is Zechariah chapter 11 11 and 12 okay keep reading please for the next verse and who did? The Lord. Notice in your Bibles, if you're reading it, it's all capitalized. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is the translation from Yahweh. The one God of the Bible. Okay? Who's being betrayed? The Son of God? Yes. But more than just a man, it is the one God of the Bible in Jesus Christ that has been betrayed. Read it. The Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter. Take that, take that money, give it to the potter. That money, that betrayal money, give it to the potter. Read. So the Lord Himself, all capitalized, was betrayed. Another proof that He is I Am. That He's the eternal God. That it wasn't just the Son that was betrayed, His humanity, but the Lord Himself 
all capitalized, was betrayed. How are you going to get around the deity of Jesus Christ? You think he's the second person in the Trinity? The Bible says the one God of the Bible was betrayed. After he's betrayed, 30 pieces of silver, that's a little over $20. That's the price of an ox gourd slave. You've got a slave, and let's say the neighbor's ox gores them. That slave's been gored, so you take, you, you receive 30 pieces of silver from the owner of the ox. That's the price of an ox gourd slave. And when Jesus hung on the cross, Okay. They pierced his hand, pierced his side. He's the servant of the Lord. He paid the price of Oxford And not only that, but that's the price of a woman. So that blood money, that money is the money that's the price of a woman. He purchased a woman with his blood. He purchased the church with his blood. Beautiful, isn't it? And what Judas Iscariot does is the Bible prophesied he takes that money, that blood money, 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine he betrayed the Lord for money? Not just money. I believe in Jesus correctly publicly. And we talked about that in the past. He got offended. And that started working on him. But anyway, he betrayed him for money. 30 pieces of silver, a little over $20. That's all. That's all he valued the Lord's. Put a price on the Lord. He said, you're worth 30 pieces of silver, a little over $20. That's all the Lord was worth to him. Okay? Prophetic, though. He takes that money. And the Bible says he casts it in the temple before the high priest said, I have betrayed innocent blood so that the devil himself had to say Jesus was innocent. You think about that. The devil had no opportunity having slept with Jesus, ate with Jesus, lived with Jesus for three years. The devil himself could find absolutely nothing that Jesus did wrong. He said, I have betrayed, out of the mouth of the devil, I have betrayed innocent blood. And that innocent blood was what redeemed us so from hell. Isn't that beautiful? And they took that blood money. The high priest, and the high priest went out, the priest the temple went out, and they gave the money to the party. And they bought the potter's field. Or the potter would take all the busted, broken vessels, throw them in that potter's field. Jesus shed his blood to go into that field and put those pots together. Judas, the Bible says, he goes out and hangs himself. I believe, because the Bible tells us, okay, they purchased that field, the potter's field, with the blood money, 
they call it uh, um, the field of blood. They called it the field of blood because it was the blood money paid to Judas that purchased it. They called it the field of blood in the Gospels. For that reason, blood, blood money. But in the book of Acts, Peter picks it up. And he calls that field the field of blood as well. Are you in that? Beautiful. Now, now, okay, I think it's Acts that the field of blood is, is the blood money that Judas, that they took the money of Judas and they purchased the field, so it's called the field of blood because it was the betrayal money. I guess the book of Acts, the Gospels, is the field of blood because Jesus shed his blood. Okay, praise the Lord. So, anyway, but if you go to Acts 1, let's look at it, I'm going to close. In verse 18. One and eighteen. Now the gospels tell us that he went out and hung himself. See, that's what the devil will do to you. That's what he'll do to me. Okay, I know you're getting tired, and I'm I'm fixing to let you go home. But if you just listen just a little bit longer, okay? What he'll do is he'll talk to you. You'll start listening to him. You yield to him, and pretty soon he'll take your life over. And after he takes your life over, he'll drive you insane. He'll go bananas. He'll go insane. You'll lose your mind. And then ultimately, he wants to destroy you. He wants to. He wants you to commit suicide. And that's exactly what Judas Iscariot does. The devil takes him, used him as a tool, and now the devil destroys that man, and he commits suicide. Goes out, hang himself. Verse eighteen. I'm going to start 15. I'm going to close. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in the proper tongue, Alphabama, that is to say, the field of blood. Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. And one of the words in the New Testament, either the Gospels or the book of Acts here, the blood, the word blood is in the feminine. Jesus is a man, but the word is in the feminine. To let you know that his blood that was shed, even though he was a man shed it, for the price of a woman. He paid the price of the church. That's why it's in feminine form. Judas Iscariot goes and hangs himself. But I want you to listen to something. The apostolic father, known as Papias, 
who was a bishop or a pastor of the church at Areopolis, which was in Asia Minor, where you have the seven churches of the book of Revelation. Papias was a church father. He was a student of John. He heard John preach. And it is believed that Papias, the pastor of Areopolis, wrote the Gospel of John as John dictated it to him. To show you what kind of man I'm talking about, that's why I gave that to you. It is believed that he was so close to John that John dictated the Gospel of John to Papias. This is written in history, historical writing, the church fathers. And Papias, who was one of the church fathers, who was a disciple of John, a bishop in the church of Areopolis, while Polycarp was a bishop in Smyrna, Smyrna wrote a five-volume commentary on the ways of the Lord. But only five, only only small fragments are left of Papias's writings. Okay, you with me? I couldn't even sleep last night because in studying and coming across this this Papias, I had never heard of him in my life, and I couldn't sleep. I, went, I said, I wonder if it's in my uh, my Bible study software. So early this morning, I got up and I started doing searches, and I found apostolic writings or, or writings on the apostolic fathers by J.B. Lightfoot. J.B. Lightfoot's writings were uh, in recent history. Recent times written, rewritten by a man by the name of Holmes. I have all of those on my software and I didn't even know it. And I've also got all of the writings of the church fathers the Nicene, anti Nicene, Nicene, and post Nicene church. I got all those writings, okay? So those three resources I just mentioned is where I got what I'm about to tell you is that <clears throat> Papias wrote that is it true? I don't know. I know in the gospel the Bible says he hung himself. Do y'all remember that? It says in the book of Acts it just says he fell headlong. and burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. That's all it says. That doesn't say that he hung himself. It says he fell headlong and his bowels gushed out. Now I want you to listen to this, okay? This apostolic father connected to John who wrote the who authored the Gospel of John, possibly dictated John, said that when Judas Iscariot tried to commit suicide by hanging, Okay. Now, if I, if I go back in the Gospels and I look at it and it, it says specifically that this is not right, then we've got to go with the Bible. But he said in his writings, and he knew John, okay, that when Judas Iscariot tried to hang himself, he did not succeed. And that somebody came and cut you know, the either his belt or whatever it was, cut it and set him free. 
and that Judas Iscariot survived his hanging attempt. And from that day forward, Papias says that he started swelling up. And he makes reference to Numbers chapter 5. Remember I preached you the law detector, the lie detector's test. And I remember the woman caught in adultery. Remember that message? I preached to you about that. Numbers chapter 5, it talks about the unfaithful wife. Her belly begins to, to rot. She begins to swell up and she begins to rot. He said that Judas Iscariot survived the hanging and that he lived beyond the hanging and his body started swelling up like that unfaithful woman in Numbers chapter 5. So that he swelled up so greatly that his eyes, you couldn't even see his eyeballs. Now Papias is, he, I read it last this morning, early this morning, his fragment on it. It is gruesome. Gruesome. His body swells up. His flesh around his eyes swell up. You can't even see his eyes. Like the unfaithful woman. And after a while, he gets so swollen. The statement, I don't know why the statement was made, but he says he can't even pass a chariot or he can't get by a chariot. And according to Papias, the chariot runs over him. And because he's so swollen under the pressure of evil. And I will say, the way I look at that, if that's what happened, was the curse of the unfaithful wife that came upon Judas Iscariot, being unfaithful to his Lord. And the, the chariot runs over him, and as the book of Acts says, he explodes. His body is under such great pressure and such great swelling, the curse being there, that's me saying that, that when that chariot hits him, he just explodes and blood and guts flow out. And his blood, Papias says, and his guts far reached over the surface of the ground in the field that he purchased with the betrayal. It was so bad. Judas was so bad off that before he exploded and the blood went everywhere and the bowels gushed out, Papias said that when he urinated, that's gruesome, but I'm going to tell you, this is what he experienced in life according to Papias. Worse now is in hell. But when he urinated pulse, uh, pus, excuse me, pus and worms came out of his urine. And when his body exploded in that field, called the field of death, the stench was so great. that it was uninhabited. The stench was so great that anybody that passed by that place 
had to hold their nose. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you something tonight. Before you ever think about betraying the Lord Jesus Christ, you better remember Jesus Christ. Because after he died, he is in the lowest part of hell tonight. He is not a hero like the Gnostics make him out to be. He is in the lowest hell with people like Korah, Cain, the enemy will come to all of us and he'll tempt us and he'll talk to us and he'll, he'll lie to you, he'll deceive you. But ultimately, you have the choice. And once you make the choice, God seconds the motion. If you'll notice in the passage that I've just read to you, not one time does Jesus ever cry out for support. What that man did, he did in full light. So if you start heading the wrong direction and the Lord gives you opportunity, He gives us all opportunity to change that direction. Be quick to change that direction. Because if you don't, you will rationalize what you're doing. And to you, it won't really be that big of a deal because the enemy will get hold of your mind. Jesus Iscariot, somebody says he, he was a madman. He went insane. Well, if he didn't succeed in his hanging, and this is a result, he swelled up like an unfaithful wife. The stench was so great they couldn't even walk by without holding the nose. That's gruesome. It's good for us to hear this message tonight. And to be honest with you, I've Before, or if you ever get tempted to quit God, to betray the Lord, remember Jesus. Because I believe that's why all four Gospels write about him, but this one, particularly in John, is written Do not go the way of Judas Iscariot. Ultimately, if John was written or dictated to Papias, by the way, Papias was martyred just like. Just like Polycarp was martyred for the faith, Papias was also martyred for the faith. It has been debated as to when this was written. John. But it's believed that it was written when the synagogue started excommunicating Jews from their midst for their faith in Jesus Christ. And John is saying, if you're excommunicated from the synagogue. Don't follow the steps of Jesus' Spirit. And so he says that to me and he says that to you tonight. Do not follow in the footsteps of Jesus' Spirit. I don't know about you, but sometimes, in fact, as I was preparing this, I just thought about it. What it would be like 
if I ended up in hell. I don't know if you've ever just sat around and thought about what hell would be like. But none of us have made it yet. And Judas Iscariot, one of his own, is in hell today. He, the Bible says he went to his own place. The oldest of the oldest. Hell is a real place, my friend, just like heaven is. And I think about what would it be like to do? I could go there. Think about it. Think about it. Forever and ever and ever, the darkness of hell. I couldn't begin to imagine what it would be like. Thank God tonight that I'm in the house of the Lord, that I was able to hear this word, this message. You're all tempted. The enemy comes against all of us. But tonight, if I could, as I come to a close, I'd just like to remind you when the enemy comes to talk to you and tries to get you to go against the Word of God, remember Judas Iscariot. Before you take that step of denial or betrayal, remember Judas Iscariot. We might be surprised to find out like the disciples were about maybe some here tonight. But the Lord knows he knew what was in Judas. He knows what's in all of us today. The good news is you can choose not to betray you. And the devil can't make you. But the devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do it. He can't make you do it. You want to live for God? There's no devil in hell can stop you from living for God. If Listen, church, honestly, I'm being honest with you. There's no devil in hell can, can stop you from going to heaven if you really want to go to heaven. There's no human being on this planet that can keep you from going to heaven if you really want to go to heaven. Okay. How many of y'all want to go to heaven? You want to be with the Lord? He's given you this word tonight to encourage you. Praise the Lord. So tonight, you said, yes, Lord. The Lord says, I sack it the most, I sack at the motion. You said, Lord, I want to go to heaven. Lord, I want to be saved. I don't want to be Judas Iscariot. I want to be John, the intimate disciple. If you said that tonight, the Lord says, I sack at the motion. If God be for you, who can be against you? He's a good God. And you're going to go through temptations. You're going to go through battles. And he may going to come against you. But greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. So won't you give him praise? Father, we give you praise and glory and honor tonight. We thank you for the truth.
You're awesome. You're awesome, God. Praise your name. Praise your name. I, I, I tell you what, if you lift your hands, you're going to feel God right now. You're going to feel Him. I know a message like this, it can scare you. It really can. It could, it could fill you with fear. The Lord wants you to hear it, but He wants you to also know there's a word of assurance that after it all happens, there's going to be some that's going to go forth and represent Him. And I believe tonight that you are feeling the presence of the Lord because He's letting you know that you're not Judas Iscariot. Why don't you give praise to the Lord? Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you for letting me know that I haven't crossed the line. Thank you for touching me one more time. Thank you for letting me feel you, Lord. Bless your holy name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Just, just tell him how much you love him. Yeah, just tell him. Just tell him how much you love him. Thank God. 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 Oh, lift up a praise, Judah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Choose to be led of the Lord. Choose to be led of His Spirit. Choose to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Say no to the voice of the enemy. And say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you praise and worship. Lead us and guide us, my God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.